And welcome to Sort of the Story. I'm Janie. And I'm Max. And this is the podcast where we tell each other stories like fairy tales and folk tales and mythology and anything else that we want to talk about. And also, you are here. Hi, welcome. <laughs> How's <Nailed> it going? <laughs> we fucking nailed that. Nailed it. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. We just good, good game. Yeah, good, you know, good game to you as well. My hands are so warm. Yeah, we just shook hands for the first time maybe in our whole life. You have a very firm handshake. <laughs> I do. And also my hands are really, really warm right now. And I don't like that. Usually my handshake is, my handshake is firm and cold. <laughs> handshake and friendship. That's what handship. we just did. <laughs> our handship was good mm-hmm. yeah your hands that are dry but in an artsy way yeah like i never have time to moisturize because i won't be able to hold a pencil if i do that <laughs> you've got like working hands i got working hands these hands work nine to five <laughs> that's not true these hands are doing things at all times Th- those hands work like seven to ten <laughs> and then they take a nap <laughs> no seven a.m to ten p.m <laughs> In the studio today, we mm-hmm. have a couple guests. We have Summer. Hi, Summer. He's promising that he's not going to lick his butthole because uh, it sounds like he's slurping peanut butter through a straw when he does that. <laughs> and he's assured us that that's not something that he would ever do again, especially not near microphones. Mm-hmm. And over here, we have Fig, who's made no such promises. <laughs> if anything, she has proven time and time again that she absolutely will slurp on her butthole while we're recording. <laughs> Fig says, drop in to a 7-Eleven, get me a Slurpee. <laughs> and by 7-Eleven, I mean the studio. And by Slurpee, I mean my bow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So if you hear a sound that sounds like someone trying to drink a Molotov cocktail with the rag as a straw somehow, <laughs> that's Fig. <laughs> uh, and if you hear a sound that sounds like a horse eating ice cream, <laughs> that's, that's summer. summer. <laughs> We're learning about animal sounds today. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Uh, this is not a podcast for children. <laughs> uh, but you're allowed to stay if you're a consenting adult. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Do you want <laughs> more of this but for money? <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, then join our Patreon. <laughs> there was no way to segue. There was no segue for that. Join our Patreon. Just just do it. It's fun. <laughs> what are you even doing? What are you even doing right now? I'm trying to plug the Patreon. Oh. I'm doing my best. Okay. <laughs> I think I proved that when I said Patreon like 17 times. <laughs> and if you enjoy JD saying Patreon to you 17 times, <laughs> pay me you for can it. Join us on Patreon. For $3 a month, you get access to the Discord, which is all of our cool podcast friends hanging out. And also there's a book club, and you get to listen to us talk about books in the book club. Right now we're reading Mountains Made of Glass by Scarlet St. Clair. Scarlet St. Scargar. Which is her Scarjo. Guys, I finished it. What a wild ride. For some reason, my brain said Sophie Campbell, and I was like, that's not anyone. <laughs> Sophie Campbell. I don't know. What if you just stumbled upon her real name? <gasps> we gotta ask. We gotta ask. <laughs> we were doxing her accidentally. <laughs> anyway, go check out Sophie Campbell at 3132 <laughs> Wisconsin Lane. <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> We're reading Mountains Made of Glass right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you join us on Patreon, you get to listen to our post-book reading conversation where we talk about the book and stuff, and that's fun. It is There's also a bunch of other stuff on the the Discord. We hang out there all the time. We don't really use other – I don't use other social media at this point. 
the only people I want to interact with are the people who have paid to uh, have the pleasure of my presence. So, <laughs> and that's called being a boss bitch. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's not weird, and I don't think about it all the time. No, definitely not. It definitely does... not an echo chamber, and that's yep. fine. Also, for seven dollars a month on our Patreon, you can get one full, whole, full length, whole length entire bonus episode per month each month guys it's gonna length. be guys it's gonna be the whole length okay we're not shorting you not even of an inch not a single minute you're getting the whole fucking thing okay open wide <laughs> you little worm do you should like we just that? start the whole thing do you over? like should we just that start from bonus episode, episode? One? uh guys should we just delete the podcast so we have this running thing where every time we say bonus episodes, somebody hears boner episode, and so we call them our boners. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. That's never happened. That's a we're misrepresentation. <laughs> every time we say bonus episodes, we are both incapable of not saying boner episodes. That happened because somebody thought no. we said boner. No. Boner's episode. No. I really thought that somebody else did that, and then no. we ran with it. that was us. <laughs> we were like... <laughs> Welcome to the boners. Literally the first one, the first thing that happens is they were like, welcome to the boners episode. <laughs> and then someone was like, I'm sorry, are you saying bonus or boners? Well, that was Amanda's husband. Yes. Adam. <laughs> yep. Hey, Adam, how does it feel to make it to a real episode? <laughs> Not a boner. <laughs> um, I don't know. Why. I have no way. I have no context. As to who Adam is outside of Amanda saying that he wanted clarification on if we're saying bonus or boners. Mm -hmm. But now he's my sworn and mortal enemy. (laughs) Who we love. (laughs) Adam! Okay, so with all of that, join the (laughs) Patreon. Max, were you offended when I started to plug the Patreon? No. (laughs) I just thought you would do it better. Mm. I (laughs) won't. This is the year that you have to plug the Patreon. Can't, can't happen. This. <laughs> nope, can't happen ever. If I do it, it's gonna be bad, and I'm well, gonna do it. <laughs> that's the Janie guarantee. It is. If I do it, it's gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. So don't fucking be mad at me. I'm just a guy. <laughs> Janie, weaponized incompetence, Rabadoo. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Okay. Well, I think we did that perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I <laughs> submitted to the academy. <laughs> we read it. We read our script well. Our team of writers <laughs> wrote that down for us. Yeah, let's just take a minute. Thank our writers' room. Uh, you know, you guys put in so much work every single week. Um, I really want to say we uh, can't make up another group of people. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Keith started. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh-oh, spoilers. Uh, no, I really do want to say, um, though, thank you uh, to Thomas Bradley. Tom in our back office is, honestly, this week was an MVP. His baby was sick, and we were like, Tom, don't work this week. And he was like, I can't not make these jokes. And so uh, we actually had a Zoom call with him where he was in the bedroom with his sleeping baby, and he wasn't talking, but he was listening to us, and he was, like, typing out. And we were like, Tom go to bed. And he was like, no, I, I have the funniest boner joke to tell you guys about. Um, what I like best about Tom is he doesn't even ask for payment. <laughs> yeah. We don't pay Tom. <laughs> we also don't really know Tom. But you know what? We love him. So thank you, Tom. And thank you to um, Alice in our sound booth. Alice is our new sound engineer. Max, why would you do <laughs> this to us again? <laughs> why? <laughs> I spent six months giving credit to, to an imaginary and thank Eldritch you also horror. to Jasper and Edward. <laughs> you know, classic Alice, Jasper, Edward, and Tom. 
<laughs> the real MVP. Classic Dom. Dom's baby. This is not accessible. <laughs> okay. Max, do you want to tell me a story today? I won't, but I will. You you won't tell me a story, but you will tell me a story? I don't want to, but I will. Oh, okay. Well, I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> well, I think one of us. <laughs> no, I, I have a really fun one. I'm excited about it. Okay. Let's do it. I've got a fucking weird... I've got some weird things to tell you, so... Uh, <laughs> Podcast related or no? <laughs> I'm going to turn off the microphone and tell you something weird. Max, my bottle. <laughs> oh, the podcast is still on! Okay, no! No! Who will edit this out? <laughs> Alice. <laughs> thanks, Alice. Thank you, Alice. <laughs> All right. And thanks to Tom for writing that bit. Yeah, Alice, <laughs> leave your Confederate boyfriend. <laughs> okay, bye! <laughs> Okay, Janie. Okay, Max. I got a story for you today, as I do many days. Uh, Most days you do come with a story, and I appreciate that about you. You know, I like to do the homework. Yeah. This story comes from Celtic Tales, fairy tales, and stories of enchantment from Ireland, Scotland, Brittany, and Wales, with illustrations by Kate Forrester. I've used this book so many times, I've almost told every story in the book, I think. Somebody got that for me for Christmas. (laughs) This one? Yeah. Yep. Well, no, a very similar one. Mm. But every time I look at it, I'm like, Max has already told every story from this book. (laughs) But it is pretty. So true. Yeah. This story originally appeared in Fairy and Folktales of the Irish Peasantry, translated by Douglas Hyde. I think that this is the same version that was written by W.B. Yeats. uh, But for whatever reason, the notes in this only credit Douglas Hyde as a translator, and it doesn't credit a writer. I did some research, and there are versions of W.B. Yeats's fairy and folktales from the, from the Irish peasantry that were translated by Douglas Hyde, so odds are pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's that one, but for some reason they notated it differently. So anyways, so it's from that, uh, which also I'm about to spend money that I don't have at barnesandnoble.com getting a hardcover <laughs> version of it. Uh, also, check out bookshop.org uh, if you want to buy books. Yeah. <laughs> don't be like me. Be better. <laughs> um, this story is called Teague O'Kane and the Corpse. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's a spooky story. Oh, okay. It's a pretty spooky one. Come on, Teague. Teague O'Kane. There once was a young man named Teague O'Kane. He was very, very handsome. All of the girls loved him. He was a real playboy, by which I mean he liked to play games. Card games, also like sports games, loved him. You're kind of a playboy. <laughs> kind of a playboy. Yeah, Max likes to play games. <laughs> I don't like to play sports, though. <laughs> Actually, doesn't like sports. Not um, like me. <laughs> I'm a big sports. Janie's the sporty spice of this podcast. That's, everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> wait hold on which spice girl would you be you would be sporty and scary you think i would be sporty spice you that wasn't a joke i think i might be baby spice <laughs> well i'm assuming that one one of us has to be all of them right no you so if we were one. to allocate the spice girls you would get sporty i would not get sporty okay i hold think on. you would get sporty and scary and are there four of them or are there five of them Okay, there is baby spice, ginger baby. spice. You would get baby. You I would think get, I'm baby spice. <laughs> you would get baby. I'm just scary. a little baby. <laughs> you would get baby scary and um, sport. Okay, if we had to be in there. Yeah, sure. and I would get ginger and posh. Yes. Wasn't there another one? No, that's it. Yeah, there's just the five. You would get ginger and posh a hundred percent. Spice World is the worst movie ever, and I watched it like a thousand times. I've never seen it. There's a. I didn't find out about the Spice Girls until like. Five years ago. There was a part in that movie where they're in their tour bus and they each have their own giant room in the tour bus. Like you walk in and it's just like a whole house. It's really weird. Oh, like a train. Yes. Except that it's giant, like a Harry Potter tent. Like and a train. 
Like have you ever... each had their own train car? <laughs> yeah, except that it's giant, like a Harry Potter tent. Or like a train. Does <laughs> <laughs> it happen in trains? Yes, it does. If they each had their yes! own train car, it would be so big. <laughs> um, and Baby Spice's room is like, there, there's like... How did this happen? There's like two I got feet ten of words into my stuffed story. animals. And then she has a swing. And she swings above all of these like stuffies, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, like a baby. <laughs> in like a weird smut film. <laughs> she's also baby spice and she's dressed very sexy and i remember watching that being like oh now i know what i want to be when i grow up <laughs> this this person swinging above toys <laughs> sexy like <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and i think you can see that in my decorating style <laughs> so i have so many toys on my floor <laughs> oh i thought those were for the cat <laughs> okay go ahead <sighs> It's so hot in here, I want to die. Want me to take off my sweater? <laughs> what? You don't want me to make it hotter? No, thank you. Tigo Kane, sporty spice, <laughs> lives in County Latrim. He's the son of a wealthy farmer. Okay. He is well-beloved. He is not a hard worker. He is a very handsome young man. His dad is wealthy and kind of gives him whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, his dad is a really good guy. Yeah. Um, but he kind of, like, just loves his son so much that he's, like can do no wrong in his eyes oh basically. that's how you raise a terrible terrible boy <laughs> mm. he is rarely at home he's usually out at parties he's kissed just about every girl in the county <laughs> good for him good for him um a lot of the people in the town basically are like <laughs> the gossip is that they're like when his father dies and leaves him his inheritance mm-hmm. it's not going to last a year yeah like he's going to spend it all immediately he has no business sense whatsoever he Spends all of his money completely frivolously and uh, with no thought for the long term. Just like Sporty Spice. Just <laughs> like Sporty Spice. <laughs> One day, however, his father, who loves him so much, his perfect little boy who can never do anything wrong, mm-hmm. his father hears that Teague has, quote, ruined the character of a girl named Mary. Which is to say that they had sex outside of marriage. Hell yeah. And uh, potentially that Mary is pregnant. Oh, Mary. Yeah. But like people, like they had sex and people heard about it, which is a really big deal because yeah. like, you know, we've talked a lot about like women's rights and, and like inheritance and that kind of stuff. Um, a woman whose reputation was ruined, quote unquote, or not quote unquote, both literally and also in the sort of like mm-hmm. entendre of the time it would be really hard for her to get married, which means that basically she was doomed to die in poverty. Yeah. So, you know, that's a really big deal. Yeah. Not as much of a big deal for Teague, who is... Who, who will be fine no matter what. Ladies' man, man's man, man about town. Um, He's fine, right? But Mary, this has the potential to ruin her fucking life. It's surprising that his father cares. <laughs> well, his father... Historically. Yeah, his father is a very good guy, and he hears about this, and he's like, you fucking idiot (laughs) and he calls his son teague in and he basically is like i have given you everything you ever wanted for your entire life i have let you do whatever you wanted Mm -hmm. and i have never been so ashamed as i am in this moment to find out that you acted so irresponsibly and potentially ruined someone else's life yeah and he says He's no longer going to leave him his inheritance. He's going to leave it to his cousin instead, Mm. unless he marries Mary. Good. He's like, you make this right or you're out. Good. You will have 
fucking nothing. Yeah. And you fucking suck. You have no discernible life skills. <laughs> yeah. None Not whatsoever. No, like he, any money he makes is from gambling. Like yes. he has no skills whatsoever. He doesn't help his dad with the farm. He's just constantly out carousing. <laughs> oh my God. Jenny carousing. Canoodling even. <laughs> Cajoling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Confusing. <laughs> He's so confusing. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> he says, I could never leave it to anyone who would make so bad a use of it as you yourself, deceiving women and coaxing girls. He's like, this is... Coaxing. <laughs> coaxing them. <laughs> coaxing them, Teague. <laughs> coaxing even. <laughs> um, Poor innocent girls who they would never do this without you. <laughs> They have no desires beyond you. Coaxing. (sighs) Carousing. (laughs) You know, girls don't even like that sort of thing. (laughs) Regardless. So his father's really making those girls all into a baby spice, and I don't like that. (laughs) All right. It's gotta be a choice. (laughs) But he he basically says, like, you're out of the will. I'm not giving you a fucking penny unless you make this right by marrying Mary. Yes. And Teague is like, um, well, I mean, who even said that I wasn't going to marry her already? Maybe I already was. And maybe you just didn't know about that because you didn't even give me a chance to talk. And his dad is like already walking away. And he's like, okay, whatever. Tell me your answer in the morning. Um, <laughs> and he is like, well, whatever. Well, whatever. And he thinks to himself, he's like, he he really likes Mary. And he, yeah. was, he was going to marry her eventually, probably. Yeah. Because he likes her a lot. But also he isn't done fucking fucking around. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I don't understand why I should have to fucking settle down. Which again, if she's pregnant, yeah, that's, that's a choice that he has made for her in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're out of options if people know about the pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. So he's like, well, I wasn't sure if I wanted to settle down yet. And I just really don't think it's fair that my dad gets to make that decision for me. Blah, blah, blah. If I was a girl at this point, the second I was like, ah, fuck, am I pregnant? I think I'd just start eating random shit I find in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Just go around and be like popping every flower I see into my mouth, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Just and in then case. you die. In case this is the one thing that ends it all. I don't want kids. <laughs> not now, not historically. <laughs> so he's like, well, maybe I was already going to do it. Maybe he shouldn't have been eating me. <laughs> he turns into the Swedish chef. <laughs> he says, well, now that he's threatened me, I have a great mind to let it go for a while. Um, wow, you fucking dick. Yeah, he's a brat. Yeah. So he's fuming and he's like, well, he doesn't even know what I was going to do. He didn't even ask me. And I bet. Blah, blah. And he's just being a huge bitch about it. <laughs> <laughs> Inarticulate hoe. <laughs> yeah. And he goes out for a walk to think about what he's going to do. Um, and it's nighttime and it's like cool but not cold. Um, and he takes out his pipe as he's walking. And so he's just smoking his pipe and walking down the road and like muttering to himself and being like, and then he would say, me, me, me. And then I would say. <laughs> like, just like going in circles over this argument that he's had with his dad. Yeah. Um, and he's walking down the road and he kind of loses track of time and he looks down at his watch and he realizes that it's been three hours since he started walking. Uh-oh. And it is now like night-night. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like night-night. <laughs> it's night-night. <laughs> night-night. Sweet dreams. <laughs> it's night-night. <laughs> oh, this is the baby's face episode. <laughs> 
So he's like, oh my God, I've been walking for three hours. Okay, I've got to turn around and go back home. Uh, and he starts to turn around and then he hears voices behind him on the road. And he's like, who is that? And he listens for a second and it's not, they're not speaking in Irish. Mm-hmm. This is in Ireland. <laughs> Good. Mm-hmm. Not in Irish. <laughs> it wouldn't be as surprising if they were in like China. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't Irish. <laughs> they're not speaking in Irish. They're not speaking in English. And he's like, I mean... For all I know, it could be French, but also if there were Frenchmen here, no, there wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Not on our turf. <laughs> and then he flexes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, what the hell is that? Like, what does that sound? Is it, is it people talking or is it like something else? And he like stops for a second. He looks back on the road behind him and he sees like this shape moving along the ground of the road. And as he gets closer, he's able to see that it's a bunch of people. Oh, and they're all very small. Oh. <laughs> None of them more than three feet tall. Mm. And there are about 20 of them, maybe more, and they're carrying something um, along the road and, like, talking to each other, walking towards him. Yeah. And he's, like, watching them, and he's like, what are they carrying? What are they doing? And as they get closer, he <laughs> sees that all 20 or so of them are working together to carry a human corpse. They're all carrying one box of Plan B. <laughs> this one's for you, Mary. <laughs> We're coming! <laughs> Just wait! <laughs> We're literally days away! <laughs> oh, no, but they're carrying a human body, so it's a crime. <laughs> well, they didn't I mean, maybe they didn't kill him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they just found it. Yeah. Three feet is not that small. Pretty small. No. I deal with people who are three feet all the time. <laughs> they could carry a human body, no problem. One of them? A couple of them. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a couple of them. Yeah, no, There's I like haven't of them. tested it out. <laughs> you should have your children carry you around. <laughs> All right, time to carry Miss Rabadoo to the lunch line. <laughs> and if anybody's like, what are you doing? I'm going to be like, it's called physics. Look it up. <laughs> it's called PE. <laughs> You're the art teacher. <laughs> I like that. I feel like they'd be fine with that. But if I had the kids carrying around plan B, they would be really <laughs> upset. <laughs> Why would you have them doing that? I don't know. It's called physics. <laughs> look it up. I think you should look it up, maybe. <laughs> you can keep going. I'm having a hard time. It's too hot in this office. It's so hot in here. <laughs> Are we going to die? 76 degrees. <laughs> okay. So he sees all of these wee folk. Okay. And they are walking down the road towards him, carrying a corpse. <laughs> and they come up close to him, and he's like, what the fuck? And they, like, stop right in front of him, and they all put the corpse down mm-hmm. right in front of him. Yeah. And then one of them, who is maybe the oldest, he's, he's got, like, silver hair, silver beard and everything. Mm-hmm. He walks up to Teague, and he says, isn't it lucky we met you, Teague O'Kane? Oh. And the little, the little person looks at him, and Teague is like, don't what (laughs) and the little man says teague okane isn't it timely that you met us and teague is like just completely dumbstruck uh he doesn't know what that first of all he's like seeing fairies yeah which is also which is pretty wild but also they've maybe committed a murder and maybe now (laughs) he's 
an accessory after the fact. Uh, And he's not processing it well. And so he just kind of, like, stares at them and, like, opens and closes his mouth and doesn't respond. Well, also, though, I mean, if you've ever dealt with anything to do with fairies or, like, have ever had, like, any firm belief in fairies like in anyone in your family you hear magical stories and you hear dire warnings not to ever fucking deal with them yeah (laughs) that's so (laughs) scary terrifying so he's just silent and then the little man says tigo kane for the third time isn't it lucky and timely that we met each other (laughs) did i fucking stutter (laughs) Um, and Teague at this point is just cannot talk he's yeah fully terrified and also this guy is kind of bullying him a little bit now and he's (laughs) like i don't fucking i don't know how to answer this (laughs) so he just stays silent and the little man in front of him cracks a huge smile Mm -hmm. and says and now Tigo Kane hasn't said a word, and so we can do with him what we please. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> didn't realize that was an option. Yeah, didn't realize that was the rules. Good to know, I guess. <laughs> I've never not said not a word, so I'm fine. You, what? <laughs> I'm always saying words. <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> so you've never said not a word? I've never not said a word. Voice said a word. <laughs> Riddle me so the, true. Riddle me this, Max. <laughs> Have I ever not said a word to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or no. Well, now I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> and Teague is like, oh, fuck. Um, and he starts to sort of back away. Um, and the little man says, well, Teague, mm-hmm. here's the sitch. You have offended your father. And the woman who loves you. Yeah. You are a bad man. (laughs) And you will face consequences for what you have done. This is a satisfying story. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, you actually have a lot in common with our poor cold friend right here. Uh Uh-oh. He was a bad man. He offended lots of people. He didn't have many friends because he was unpleasant (laughs) and untrustworthy. (laughs) Oh, fuck. So, (laughs) how fortunate that you have a chance to prove yourself... By helping us out with something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but also, no, I'm not. This 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 fairy is, like, full-on mob boss. Like, that is, <laughs> that is literally, he's like, you're a bad person. Yeah. This guy was a bad person. Hmm. What a coincidence. Would be Maybe... a shame if you met the same fate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's like it's great that you have a chance to prove yourself now by helping us out with a little task and he says okay so teague uh you can go ahead and pick up this corpse then (laughs) and teague looks at it and finally like gets his voice back and he's like no i'm not no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that yeah uh and the little man in front of him says oh teague o'kane isn't going to lift the corpse and then he turns to the guys behind him and laughs this is in the story okay turns to the people behind him and laughs and then walks up closer to Teague and says, make him lift it. Ah! <laughs> and all of these wee folk just bum rush him. <laughs> and he starts trying to run away and one of them sticks out their little leg and trips him. <laughs> and he just eats concrete on the road here. <laughs> And then they all swarm over him and, like, pin him down. Uh, And he hears them all, like, chattering and, like, cackling. And then they, like, throw something across his back. And then they all kind of, like, 
back off a little bit and he starts immediately like throwing elbows and like kicking and punching and trying to get up and everything uh and when he's finally able to get up he's just swearing a blue streak and he's like what the fuck what the fuck um <laughs> and they he realizes that the something on his back is the corpse um yeah, he's got a backpack now <laughs> yeah they've put the corpse on his back with the corpse's arms around his neck yeah um, so he's just giving a piggyback <laughs> ride to a corpse <laughs> And he's like, oh, okay, so these this is happening, I guess. Um, this is the moment where he realizes, like, oh, I'm in deep shit. This isn't something that's going to be, like, a wild story that I tell later. This is something that, like, is actually dangerous and I could be in trouble. And also those little guys just beat the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the little man says, now, Teague, you didn't lift this corpse when we told you to, so we made you lift the corpse. Perhaps when I tell you to bury it, you won't bury it until you're made to bury it. Is that going to happen, Teague? Oh, my God. (laughs) And Teague says, anything at all that I can do for your honor, I'll do it. (laughs) Hey. You want me to kiss the corpse? I'll kiss the corpse. (laughs) Whatever. I don't care. This this is the most terrifying fairy in any story ever. Also kind of the hottest. Kind of a little. I don't like He's a little hot. Like, (laughs) Imagine Chris Maloney. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, okay. <laughs> I'll fucking carry a corpse. <laughs> Imagine the guy from Good Girls. <sighs> Rio. Guys, we're watching Good Girls, and honestly, I would fucking bark. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> I just would. <laughs> I thought about it a lot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. No, no standards. <laughs> no morals. They're out the door. Farewell. <laughs> Goodbye, girl I used to be. <laughs> Hello, whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> My feminism? Gone. Where did it go? Out the door. With the, the girl. <laughs> Where the fuck there that she was? Goes. I don't even know her. <laughs> um, so the little man is like, great, so we won't have any more problems. He tells Teague that his duty is to carry the corpse to the church on Temple Damus, which is like a church that's a little ways away. Sure. Temple Damus. Mm-hmm. Probably pronouncing that wrong. You don't know Temple Damus. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, the only thing, the only pronunciation that I looked up is Teague uh, and everything else. I'm just winging as always. Okay. So Temple Damus. He tells him that he has to carry the corpse to Temple Damus. And then he has to go into the church and pry up the flagstones and dig a grave right in the middle of the church, mm-hmm. put the corpse in it, cover it up, put the flagstones back down as though no one was ever there. Mm-hmm. And then his task will be complete. Okay. Easy. Unless, of course, there's already a body in there. Uh-huh. In which case, I mean, they'll have to find alternate accommodations because the little man says, perhaps some other man has the bed. And if so, it's likely he won't share it with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Oh, they have to go to the hotel, but there's only one bed. Yeah, this might be good for both of them. <laughs> could be good, could be fun, could be nice. He says, so if, if there's already, like, someone in that spot, then obviously can't bury the corpse there. So you'll have to go to the next burial ground down the road, um, which is Karakfad Vicoris. Karakfad Vicoris. Wow, Yates, uh, is that you? Mammy. <laughs> Um, And bury him there. But if there's any kind of complication there, then he should continue on to the next burying ground down the road, which is Temple Ronin. And if for whatever reason he's not able to bury him there, then he'll have to go to Kilbrigia, which is further down the road. I think I would just 
go to the last church. <laughs> if these little people were giving me options, I think I just picked the last one. Yeah. Right? Well, he says he says one of them will have space. So you can just go figure it out. Yeah, I would just pick the last one. <laughs> one of the last one was full, and you have to go backwards. Yeah, but I chances are, fairy tale logic, the last one's going to be <laughs> open. <laughs> All right, well, they didn't have genre awareness. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just saying, don't give me a task. I'll fucking do the last one thing you said. <laughs> My, I won't be able to pay attention to anything you said before the last thing you said. I'll be thinking about the corpse mm. and Rio mm. from Good Girls. There's a, um, I've probably said this before on the podcast, there's a story in like musical folklore that I really like, which is um, the Rolling Stones were on tour and they were known as being like really picky about... Yeah. All, like when they do the setup for for their concerts and everything like that, they were like, "We need specifically this and only this, and specifically this and specifically this." And everyone was like, "They're kind of assholes." Yeah. And one of the things that they had on the list was they were like, "We want M and M's, but only blue ones." And they, and so everyone was like, "What the fuck is their problem?" Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. huge pain in the ass and everything. And like the like, classic diva story. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then they got to a concert venue, and there was a bowl of M and M's in their dressing room. And mm-hmm. it was all of the colors and not just the blue ones. And they were like, great. So we're not doing this concert tonight. And they were like, what the fuck? Why? Over M&M's? Yeah. yeah. And the reason why is because they had a lot of really complicated pyrotechnics in their setup. And so the reason why they put the blue M&M's in there is to make sure that the people setting up the concert venue were reading every single step. Yeah. And not skipping anything for safety reasons. Because yeah. they could be on fire. I mean, look, around that time was about the time when Michael Jackson caught on fire and yeah. shit and had to go through, like, major reconstructive surgery all over his body. Yeah, so, like, I honestly think that that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's hot as hell. Yeah, of being, like, like putting in a minor detail and everyone's like, that's a shitty, shitty move, but also very genius to be, like, you know, just having, like, a little detail in the middle to make sure that they're actually paying attention to the instructions but then is very smart. it also makes sense that venues would spread, like, oh, they left because of the M&Ms and not because we were shirking on our responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure the venue is safe. Yeah. Makes sense why that would be the rumor that spread. Yeah. Yep. Ah, but just yeah. a cool thing. It's good. It reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. So, finally, if he isn't able to bury the body anywhere else, he should go to Kilbrija. There will be a space somewhere between those four burial grounds that he'll be able to bury the corpse. The little man explains that Teague will have to bury the corpse before daybreak or you're lost. Uh Whatever the fuck that means. Oh, scary. So scary. So unspecific. I wouldn't go to the last one, I guess. I guess I would just go to the closest one. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Miss Genre Awareness. (laughs) So (laughs) Teague is like, all right, I can do that. And they're like, great. So get going and he's like okay and he starts walking and they're like no faster and they fucking chase him down the road (laughs) and every time he's going too slowly they like kick him and hit him to make him go faster while he's carrying this corpse down the road get fucked teague honestly finally they get towards temple dermis and temple demis demis that you said before yeah temple demis i was thinking about (laughs) <laughs> leap year the whole time and there's the story of Diermid and Grania in leap year, <laughs> and so I definitely was writing Diermid. uh yeah they drive him down the road until they get close to Temple Damus and they're like all right Temple Damus right through those trees there um this is as far as we're gonna go but you better get this done or dot 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 mm-hmm. uh <laughs> and Teague is like all right and he like walks 
through the woods towards where they pointed towards Temple Damus. And um, he looks behind him and the little men are like waiting on the road. Um, so he goes all the way up to the temple through the woods. Finally, he reaches the front door of the church mm-hmm. and he like jiggles the doorknob and it's locked. Um, and he's like, oh, well, guess I have to go home. Nothing we can do about that. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> And then he hears a voice in his ear whisper, check the top of the door for the key. Yeah, fucking do anything. And he screams <laughs> because who the fuck was that? And he's like, who the fuck was that? Yeah. And uh, then the voice says, just check the top of the door for the key. And he's like, no, who is this? This fucking guy. And he keeps like whipping around to see who's behind him. And it's like, it's, I'm the corpse. Please just check. Just check the top of the door for the key. (laughs) He's like, all right. And he checks and there's a key on top of the door frame. Mm -hmm. Um, So he takes it and he opens up the front door to the church. And he goes inside. He still has the corpse um, hanging off of his shoulders. And he hears that same voice behind him say, light the candle. Mm -hmm. And he fumbles around in the dark until he's able to find the stump of one candle in one of the old candelabra Mm -hmm. around the room. And he's able to light it. And then the voice says, go and get the spade from the altar. And he goes up behind the church altar and he finds that there's a spade up up back there. Yeah. And he, uh, the voice says, now uh, bury me, right? Just really going step by step because apparently this guy's fucking incompetent. Yeah, this guy forgot all the rules. Yeah, immediately. (laughs) Immediately didn't care about the rules. (laughs) In his defense, he's got a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) yeah an unplanned pregnancy doesn't seem so crazy anymore does it (laughs) teague uh so teague sort of uses the spade to lever up a um flagstone and then he's able to pull up the ones around it and he starts to dig a hole and he digs and he digs until he reaches a patch that is softer than the dirt around it Mm -hmm. um and he throws the dirt off and he sees that it is a body Uh oh Um, it is the body of an old man and he sort of half joking from exhaustion and stress he (laughs) turns to the corpse and says um you corpse on my back will you be satisfied if i bury you down here and the corpse does not respond (laughs) and so he's like oh well maybe that's a yes sounds good awesome so he keeps digging um, and he sinks the spade into the earth again and the body under the earth sits upright (gasps) and screams Go, 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 or you're a dead, dead, dead man. <laughs> and starts like like trying to crawl towards him and he's like, okay, sorry. <laughs> my bad, my bad. That's and also he, how I wake up. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so he like drops the spade and the corpse kind of is like, all right, good. <laughs> and lays back down in the ground. <laughs> and he's like, all right. So not there. And he piles the dirt back on top and he puts the flagstones back in place. Mm -hmm. Um, He moves a little bit further down the aisle of the church and again, levers up a flagstone, tries to find a spot to bury the corpse. Yeah. He pulls up a flagstone. Once again, though, as he's digging, he hits a body, this time an old woman. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he hits her kind of level in the earth, she screeches, Oh, you clown. Where has he been that he's got no bed? Ooh. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah, that's pretty great. Also, I love, oh, you clown. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got him. <laughs> and then I assume she, like, picks up a handful of dirt and just throws it at him. <laughs> yeah. Just for fun. Spits a bunch of dust in his goddamn <gasps> face. 
<laughs> and then like lays back down. He's like, all right, so not there. And he like buries her in again. And then he goes a little bit further down the uh, aisle of the church and he levers up another flagstone. He starts to dig. And then he gets to a point he sees like a man's hand. Mm-hmm. And he says, by my soul, I'll go no farther then. <laughs> yeah, he's learned. Yeah, good. That goddamn time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that he didn't learn sooner than that. Yeah, it only takes. It seems like you. It should only take one. <laughs> it, should, it literally should only take the little people saying, "Hey, don't do this, or you'll be lost." Yeah, but then if that doesn't work, then sure, the corpse whispering in your ear instructions should all that should have solidified it. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't work, the human corpse screaming in your face the first time should have worked. Yeah, and being like, "Don't bury him here. This is my bed." <laughs> I really don't think Mary should breed with him yeah <laughs> she's gonna have a fucking idiot mm-hmm. probably <sighs> so he's like well i failed and now i'm going to something is going to happen to me and this is the end of my life yeah and he kind of sits down despondently and is like i don't know what the consequence is for this but it's not going to be good yeah this is what i've learned and then the cold lips of the corpse over his shoulder Ooh. whisper in his ear and say, Carrick Fadvacorus, which mm-hmm. is the name of the next burial ground. Yes. And Teague is like, I don't know the way there. So I can't get there. So we're not going to get there. And the corpse is like, just follow me. Mm-hmm. And Teague stands up and he goes out of the church and he relocks the door and everything, puts the key back where he found it. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and the corpse uses its left hand to point the direction. So Teague gets back to the road and continues to walk further um, until and following the corpse's directions until they reach a fork in the road. Um, they proceed a little bit further beyond there, and then they pass a burying ground that is right next to the road. And the corpse directs him to go there. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a fenced-in burying ground that's a little distant from the church that it's designated to. Yeah. And as Teague starts walking up with the corpse over his shoulders, he sees in the graveyard ghosts, mm-hmm. hundreds of ghosts. Men, women, children, people of all ages. Yeah. And they're all just in the graveyard. Some of them are leaning against the like the walls of the graveyard. Some of them are sitting on their tombstones. Like, the little <laughs> kids are running around in the Aww. graveyard. Which I thought were really cute. That even. is really cute. <laughs> um, this doesn't seem terrible. No, it doesn't seem terrible. Um, but he walks up and gets closer and the ghosts kind of like turn and look at him. And then they start like pointing at him and shouting at him and to each other, but silently. So he can't tell what they're saying. Mm. But it's clear from their faces that they are like shouting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he stops and they all kind of <laughs> take a second and then they go back to what they were doing. And he's like, okay. And then he takes another step forward and they all turn towards him again and start shouting. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, okay. And he like starts walking towards the graveyard and all of them gather around the gate to the graveyard and are just like shouting at him and like pressing themselves against the gate so that he can't open it. And he's like, okay, great, I guess. (laughs) Great. And the corpse on his shoulder whispers in his ear, Temple Ronin, which is the next barrier. Gotta keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So Teague continues walking down the road. Again, the corpse has to direct him because this is farther from his home than Teague has ever been. Yeah. The corpse directs him to Temple Ronin, which is a crumbling little old church. It's no longer in use. And it has a sort of smallish burying ground outside and then more graves sort of inside. Mm-hmm. And he takes a step into the door of the church, which is open because it's like a church that's falling apart. Mm-hmm. He takes a step in and he trips on the threshold and he falls into the church and he feels himself caught by the throat 
Oh. Uh, something grabs him by the throat and picks him up and just starts fucking beating the shit out of him. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it is completely dark. He can't tell what's going on. And this thing is, like, beating him almost to death. Yeah. Uh, he has no time to, like, gather himself or figure out what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. And after a few minutes, whatever this force is carries him a hundred yards out of the church and dumps him in a ditch with the corpse still across his shoulders. (laughs) Gotta go to the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Not that church. And the corpse is like, kill Breja. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Perhaps we go to the next church. (laughs) But also Teague is like, "Ah, I'm gonna fucking die. He's having a really bad night. No one's ever been mean to him before. (laughs) This is a really (laughs) rough night. So Teak keeps walking. The corpse directs him on to Kilbrigia. They get close and he feels the corpse sort of squeeze around his shoulders and say, there, bury me there. Okay. And there's a little burying ground right off the road. It's a sort of a hill. It has a couple of graves on it, but it's pretty lonely and not very well kept. Um, It seems like there aren't a lot of people around here. So it's, it's a little bit deserted kind of teague opens the creaky old gate into the graveyard Mm -hmm. um he starts looking around for a shovel and as he's looking he realizes that there is a freshly dug open grave right in the middle of the graveyard oh that's convenient very convenient yeah um and he walks up to it and he sees that there is a black coffin already inside of the grave Hmm. and he lifts the lid of the coffin and the inside is empty and he feels the corpse around his shoulders release its grip Mm mm-hmm and the corpse sort of slowly and gently, like, rolls off of him and into the coffin. Hmm. And Teague wastes no time. He closes the coffin lid. He puts the... He reburies it and everything. He tamps the earth down. Yeah. And at this point, like, the barest bits of pink are starting to show on the horizon. It is nearly daybreak. Yeah. Um, and he tamps down the ground on top of the grave. And then... He's kind of just stuck in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, <laughs> so he keeps walking down the road until he finally gets to an inn. He's exhausted. He yeah, is like he's been barely beaten. conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets to this inn and they're like, sir, do you need a room? <laughs> <laughs> and he realizes that he cannot sleep. He has to go back because his father and Mary are waiting for his answer <laughs> that morning. So rather than going to bed, which he wants to do so, 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 so bad, uh, he hires a horse and he rides all the way back home, mm-hmm. um, which he finds out is 26 miles. He walked 26 miles with a guy on his back? Yep. Fuck. In one night. <laughs> Fuck. So he rides the 26 miles all the way back to his home. He gets in. This isn't included in the story, but the scene as I see it. Mm-hmm. He has, he rides up on his horse His father and Mary are waiting at Mm -hmm. his house and he sort of like stops this horse outside and then like slides off of it. And they're (laughs) like, good, he showed. And then he gets closer and he's just bleeding and like (laughs) covered in dirt (laughs) and like juices, ditch mud. And he's like... (laughs) fully falling asleep on his feet and like half crawls up to the door (laughs) and his dad is like how was your night (laughs) he's like well dad i'll do it i'll fucking marry her i have to go to bed now (laughs) and then he crawls to bed and falls asleep that's how i imagine it happens (laughs) 
So uh, Teague agrees to marry Mary. Um, they are married within the fortnight. He does not want to wait because he knows what happens to people who don't do right by the people who love them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> From that day forward, he never again drinks too much. He never gambles. And most especially, he never goes out alone at night. <laughs> the end. The end. You know what this reminds me of? The very first story I ever told. The Black Arm Walking Black Stick. Black I was thinking this, yeah. Teague reminds me of, I called him Derry. wasn't his name, but I called him Derry. That's who he reminds me of. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That, like, after the corpse backpack that she has to wear, mm-hmm. um, this happens to that guy. And so he has to marry the next girl that he, like, knocks up. Like, this is what I imagine is the continuation. And this town just has, like, a corpse backpack problem. <laughs> Classic corpse backpack <laughs> Classic. I like the idea that this is a rewriting of that story where they're like, it's fucked up that she had to carry a corpse around and almost die because that guy sucked. And so they're like, what if the guy that sucked had to do this? Yeah, like her story ends. You see the adventure because hers is all about outwitting a corpse mm-hmm. and being fucking badass and saving the lives of people and following in love, falling in love with one of the people that she saved their lives. Like it's mm-hmm. the coolest story. So I love the idea of like, it shows her happy in her new house, far away from the graveyard with holy water above the door, all this stuff. And then it just, the camera pans over to Teague walking in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> like, to be continued. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I also like the idea that, like, anytime Teague is like, man, this sucks. Like, I should just leave. There's just, like, one little guy that, like, pops up at his window and, like, does, like, the, like stares daggers like two fingers fingers, fingers. at one eye and then pointing it towards your (laughs) eyes i'm watching you (laughs) Um, and then he stops thinking that (laughs) i loved that yeah i really liked that the different churches had different kinds of spirits yeah that was really that was the really cool cool part to me that was the coolest part of the story is that like the first church is like actual bodies reanimated dead and then the second one is like a ghost community and then the third one is like a haunted church like a poltergeist yeah i thought it was the variations between them were really cool i also that's also something where it could have been like they were like and the catholic church was full of nice ghosts or like something like that like it could have been like a weird religious bias thing but it was just like these are just churches and these are how the people who are buried here are a hundred percent yeah it's fantastic Yeah, yeah yeah i thought that was pretty or it could have great. ended with, uh, and that was a water spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, was a water, water horse. horse. And then the corpse was... dug itself out of the grave and was like, you've passed my test. Now you get to be a water horse. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, go listen to the water horse episode. I've never been so mad in my whole goddamn life. That I love that. it. Uh, the Irish really fucking made an enemy that day. <laughs> they learned that they could just fucking call anyone they want. Sometimes a water horse is a bird. A water horse. <laughs> the Running of the Bulls. It's episode 113. Uh, seven signs you're in an ogress's den. The Running of the Bulls. <laughs> that was a good one. I just re-listened to that one and it was a banger. It is a banger, but also, god damn it. God damn it. Okay. Do you want to take a little break? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. I'm a little sleepy after this mimosa. Ooh, <laughs> so not a mimosa, sh- just champagne and lemonade. <laughs> That's true. What's that called? It's not a bellini. Champagne and lemonade. Champagne and peach juice is a bellini, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like champagne and blueberry lemonade should be a g- g- genie. <laughs> Stop named after me. <laughs> oh. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, Max. Okay, Janie. Max. Okay. When I was home for Christmas. Oh, I know. When I this was, is your home. When I was at my parents' house for Christmas. <laughs> not at our loving home Jeez. that we've made together <laughs> with all of our terrible children. I raided their library again. I do this every time I go home. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I've found everything I need to find in there. But I did find this book, Folk Tales of the North American Indians. My dad is Native American. He is Dakota Sioux. <laughs> so he gets a lot of gifts from my mom's side of the family. Uh, and from everyone that is Native American, literally anything. Mm-hmm. So he has a bunch of like books on Native American history, which is great. But like, it's not like my dad sits there reading about Native American history. I don't know. I'm also not speaking for my dad. My dad appreciates all of the gifts and stuff. But like, also like, he has a bunch of random like Indian heads, <laughs> like statues that people find, and like rugs with like sitting bull on them and like just whatever like dream catcher keychains and yeah just like a lot of stuff and like my dad is native american so it's it's like thank you it's like if you go the only thing i can compare it to is if you're living in another country as an american and everything you get is statue of liberty and american <laughs> flag and like new york city and i love new york and like i left my heart in san francisco and like just all of this stuff that's just America. And he's like, thank you. Mm -hmm. But like, he's Dakota Sioux. (laughs) There's like a bunch of different... Anyway, it always makes me laugh when I go home because I'm like, this is like a flea market. (laughs) (laughs) We have everything except for the giant wooden chief with the headdress that you see Mm. in cigar shops. (laughs) But like, it's weird that we don't have that. (laughs) My parents know this woman. um, My mom's from the Adirondacks. My parents know this woman who does... God, I I wish I could remember. I feel like she's Algonquin, but I don't think that's correct. Mm -hmm. But she's from one of the tribes that's native to the Fulton Lakes chain. Yeah. And her dad or her grandfather was, like, a truly incredible totem pole sculptor. Yeah. And he taught her when she was, like, a teenager. And she's been doing totem pole sculptures ever since. But she's been doing them with a chainsaw. So she does these incredible, like, chainsaw totem poles. They're the coolest fucking thing ever. My parents bought, like, a little one from her and have it in their house. Um, That's so cool. It's really cool. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it's thoughtful and it's handmade and it's personal. And Mm -hmm. But, like, I mean, just... Yeah, no, it's not the same. Anything... And again, I think my dad gen- genuinely he appreciates it. He's yeah. he's the type of person that's just like, thank you so much. But also, we just have so many things, and you can tell he's like, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because also, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to tell a bunch of Filipinos that like that's not actually my tribe. <laughs> I'm not do that. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, my thought process wasn't oh. Native American stuff. It was a I statue. Was, it was yeah, like, I was thinking like a giant wooden statue of a chief, usually chainsaw carved. And then yeah. I was like, oh, that really cool woman. I should tell, has I told Janie about that really cool I woman? I want to see pictures. That sounds yeah. amazing. I, I will show you pictures. Um, She's very cool. But yeah, so we have, a, we have a bunch of stuff. So this is one of those things. I'm pretty sure it was a gift. And I asked him if I could have it because I'm always looking for folklore books. And so this is Folk Tales of the North American Indians, edited by Stith Thompson. Oh, Stith. Stith. And, you know, he's From, come up a bunch, mm-hmm. and uh, so we we trust it. Yeah, he's the T in ATU. He's the T in AT. Puts the T in ATU. Mm-hmm. He's the Arms Thompson. Thompson Uther. Yeah. Yep. His name is Stiff. How could you forget that? That's true. At one point, <laughs> I made fun of him and said that his mom wanted to name him Stick. <laughs> All right. So I flipped through this book a little bit, and I decided on a theme, because a lot of the stories are kind of short, and I was like, I do want to tell stuff from this, because it's very fun, but... Mm-hmm. Bottom are short. So I found a theme, and the theme I, I came upon was Cheyenne body horror stories. 
Oh, I'm so excited. Cheyenne Tales of Body Horror. <laughs> oh my god. I also just read Don't Whistle at Night, which is a collection of short horror stories from Native writers in the United States mm-hmm. and Canada, I believe. And it's great. I mean, it's it's all different authors, so it's kind of like the taste is different per story. Yeah. But there were like three of them by Cheyenne authors and all of them were fucking terrifying. Yeah, it turns <laughs> out because I the only Cheyenne story that I grew up hearing was Quill Worker, which mm-hmm. I've told on this podcast because yeah. it was one of my childhood formative storybooks. <laughs> but that wasn't written by a Cheyenne author. That's a Cheyenne story not written by a Cheyenne author, right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm finding out upon this book, which is I'm going to go on this a little bit later, but this book and the way Stith Thompson collected stories was the exact same way that Jake Jackson collects things for Flame Tree, Flame Tree Publishing, mm-hmm. where he collects them from all different sources just to compile all of them into an actual volume so that they're not lost. But he doesn't change anything about them unless he absolutely has to. He has like mm-hmm. very specific guidelines for what he will change, and he always says, this was changed and then he gives you the reference later. Like, Stiff Thompson's amazing. Jake Johnson. Jake Jackson. Amazing. <laughs> Jack Johnson. <laughs> Jake Jackson. Jake Jackson. Jake, um, jo- Jake Johnson is the one from New Girl. Yes. Jack Johnson is the song guy. Is the bubbly guy. Yeah. What? He has a song called Bubbly, doesn't he? Are you thinking of Colby Collet? <laughs> <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> and then, um... Colby's a cool name. Jack Jackson. <laughs> anyway, and J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson. Okay, so that being said, I trust I trust him. But yeah, so he this these are just written in the exact language that they were printed in originally. Some of them from like the 1800s. Some of them, you know, from the original like oral storytelling standpoints. And so they're not all the the easiest to read. With that being said, we mm-hmm. have a different style of writing now that's easier to like consume. And so, but I did put together some and I'm retelling them and I did some research and uh, oh boy, these are Cheyenne body horror stories. It turns out, my point was, it turns out Cheyenne are fucked up <laughs> in the best possible way. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. In a way that is very distinct because I'm going to tell you the Sioux stories aren't like this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the first story I'm going to tell you is called The Eye Juggler. <laughs> <laughs> this is under the, the heading Trickster Tales. <clears throat> Tr- tricks your... T- tricks gets your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> gets your eye for, from tricks and your juggles them? <laughs> <laughs> All right. There uh, once, we should watch Labyrinth. We should watch Labyrinth. Oh, God. There once was a man who could pop his eyes out of his head and then throw them up into a tree limb and then call them back down by saying, eyes hang upon a branch. Seems like that would put them up. No. And then he's just saying, oh my God, look at those eyes up there. And they're like, okay. And then they come down. <laughs> like, well, we're not up there now. How about that? <laughs> okay. So there's this character that in the book. Oppositional defiant eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of this episode. <laughs> There's a character in this story. They call him White Man. However, I looked this up because this is not like a white man. This is a Native American figure. Um, he's His name is Viho. Like they spell it V-E-E-H-O, um, which translates to Old Man Spider. But they call him White Man. It's like a, it's like a misleading translation that when you just read it as like, 
you're not part of this culture, you're like, oh, it must be like a white guy. It's not. Yeah, a white man. No. So um, yeah, no, it's like a like a man who has like white hair. Well, and he's right? he's the Anansi and the mm-hmm. um, he's the spider. Yeah. This shows up amongst a bunch of indigenous cultures around the world. So this is the spider. The spider is usually tricky and smart and clever. Mm-hmm. I will say, Viho, not that clever. Oh, no. Viho is, is, is a little bit bumbling in these stories that I found. So I'm going to call him Viho for now on. Um, but in the book, they call him White Man. Okay. So Viho, one day, sees this man doing this amazing trick. This incredible trick where he's popping his eyes out of his head and throwing them up into a tree. <laughs> and he's like, hey, can you show me how that's done? And the man is like, no, I'm... I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's too dangerous and you're not going to do it right. But Viho is like, please tell me how to do it. Please tell me how to do it. I really want to know. And finally, the eye juggler gives in and he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you how to do it. But he warns Viho that he must not do this more than four times in one day. There's a limit. Don't do it more than four times. And Viho's like, okay. Oh, no. And then he takes off to play. This is gremlins. This is gremlins. <laughs> so Viho walks along a river for a while, and he searches for the tallest tree he can find. And eventually he finds one that suits his needs. And so he sent his eyes to the very top of the tree. And then he called him back. And this was so much fun that he immediately <laughs> tried again. He sent him to the very tippy top of the tree, and then he called them back by saying, eyes hang upon a branch. And they, like, fell back down. They just tumbled back down. <laughs> Seems like that might just be gravity. I wonder if he can see up there. That's what... If not, why do it? Well, okay, except that it doesn't really explain that. And there's a couple things in this book that I'm like, there's no real good reason to actually do this. Just for fun? But I think that he can see up there. That's what I'm going to say. It's not expressly said, and I do have some doubts. (laughs) He's like, I just really want to get some of that cool mountain air, some of that high altitude air on my eyeballs. That's what I need. Cool mountain dew. So <laughs> I just want to pour some cool Mountain Dew on my eyeballs. Classic. <laughs> so soon he had done this four times in a row. And every time he's howling with laughter and he's dancing with glee at this amazing new trick he's learned. Um, <laughs> and so he decided to try it a fifth time. But when he tried to call his eyes back, they remained where they were on the highest limb of the tallest tree in the forest. But how does he know that's where they are? All day he called, because I think he can see up there. So all day oh. he called and called, but his eyes didn't budge. Quote, the eyes began to swell and spoil, and flies gathered on them. Ugh. <laughs> End quote. Ugh. Soon. Um, I'm- I'll stop making references eventually, but this reminds me of the bit in that one, what is it, Make Some Noise from Dropout, where it's Josh, Zach, and Brennan, and they're like, <laughs> it's like the ego and the id. Yeah. Uh, or like the devil and the angel on your shoulders and everything. And it's like, <laughs> hey, man, like you just got this, like, you know, you got this promotion and you deserve it. And then the other person is like, see that egg on the window? <laughs> <laughs> is that a deviled egg on the window? You should eat it. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is just ADHD. <laughs> yeah. I the, the idea of an egg on a windowsill. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just has to do it. Yeah. Oh, God. And yeah. And now it's like a spoiling egg on a hot dashboard. Mm-hmm. But it's like, who's to know how long that's been there? We shouldn't eat that. Looks pretty good, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
So soon, Viho got tired and laid down because he's just sitting there calling it. He's saying, like, eyes hang upon a branch, and it's just they're not budging. He's he's wasted his time. So he lays down on the floor, and he's facing his eyes. <laughs> he has no eyeballs in his socket, but his face is, like, up towards the direction where his eyes are. And he calls for them some more, and after a while, he began to cry, and eventually he fe- he starts to fall asleep. And while he's very still and his breathing's getting more even – a mouse began to creep up to his body. And he hears it coming. He kind of feels it as it's like smelling him. So he closed his eyelids so that the mouse wouldn't see that he's blind. <laughs> wouldn't get in there and make a little nest. Oh, gross. And he laid as still as he could so the mouse would think he was fully asleep. Or dead. Or dead. Well, he's still breathing. So he let the mouse sneak up to him and sniff him. And slowly the mouse crawled up onto his chest and walked around for a bit. And still, Viho did not move. And the mouse began to nibble on his hair because he was trying to cut (laughs) little pieces for his nest. And then it began to lick his tears. Aww. And as it did this, its tail fell across Viho's mouth. And quick as a whip, the man bit down on the mouse's tail and held on tight as the mouse tried to run away. So with the mouse's tail firmly between his teeth, he kind of tells the mouse what happened to his eyes. Okay, but also from the point of view of this thing, he's like, my eyes, my eyes are up in the tree. And he opens his, like, empty eye sockets. Ooh, yes. This is just like that scene in The Mummy. I was Yes. Oh There's God. a couple of things that remind me of The Mummy in these stories, actually. Uh, so the mouse begs him to let it go. It's like, hey, dude, I'll do anything. I got a family. <laughs> and so as he's, like, listening to the story, he looks up and he's like, I see your eyes. They're up there. They're up there on the tree still. And he tells Viho that they have swelled to an enormous size. Mm. And he's like, I'll go up there and I'll get them for you. I'll, if you let me go, I'll go up there and get your eyes for you. I'll bring them back down. But Viho still would not let him go. And finally, the mouse is like, what will it take for you to let me go? And Viho says, I will let you go if only you will give me one of your eyes. I knew it was coming and I'm still upset. So the mouse plucked out one of its eyes and shoved it in his eye socket and Viho could see again. So he let the mouse's tail go and it ran away. The problem with the mouse eye, though, what do you think the problem is? Too small. It's too small. (laughs) It's way far back in the socket. He can see out of it, but not well. (laughs) So Viho walks a little ways away, and eventually he comes upon a buffalo grazing nearby. And he stands nearby, and he starts to cry watching it. Until eventually, who I think has noticed that there's a man (laughs) sitting there crying and sighing loudly. (laughs) 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 So finally the buffalo's like, what? What do you want? What's wrong? What are you doing? <laughs> and so he's like, oh, I lost my eyes and all I have is this mouse eye, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Don't you hate it when that happens? <laughs> and so he asks the buffalo if he could possibly have one of his eyes to help him see. And so the buffalo, who I think is too nice, but is maybe just like bothered by this guy and wants him to go away, takes out one of its eyes and pops it into Viho's head, uh. probably using his thick tongue. I need to stop picturing these things. Now, Viho could see far away again. And this is um, the last lines of the story. Quote, but the eye did not fit the socket. Most of it was outside. The other was far inside. Thus he remained. The end. What? So he has one 
One big eye, one small eye. Yeah, one that's bulging out of its head, Whoa. and the other that's so far back, it's just a socket with a tiny little, like, bean in there. <laughs> oh, I... Okay. <laughs> Why? So the mouse is a liar. What do you mean? The mouse was like, I'll go get your eyes. Well, yeah, but then he didn't accept that offer, so he said, what will it take for you to let me go? Oh, I thought he was like, no, let me go get your eyes. He, that's what he said. No, I, I thought he meant like, lend me one of your eyes as collateral. Oh, no. So that I know that you'll come back. No, or... he was going to keep that eye. What the fuck? He didn't want his other eyes. It had all been like, they had swollen up and they were rotting Oof. and they had been like, like sucked on by bugs and stuff. Ew. <laughs> well, that's really bad for me. That's really, really, really bad for me. <laughs> Yeah, so we have a little trickster guy who looks horrifying now. He looks like that, um, what is that? Like the, like the emo, like, emoji thing where it's like a little O underscore big O. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Okay. So the next story I'm going to tell you. Will it be that bad? No. Mm -hmm. It's called The Sharpened Leg. Wait, I'm into this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, planet terror, machine gun leg, <laughs> leg as a weapon. Okay. Great. Good. I'm on board. So there was once a leg. Mm. There was once a leg. <laughs> it was so pointy. <laughs> there was once a man whose leg was so pointy. <laughs> there was once a leg that was so pointy and it was attached to a man. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's fair. That's a good way to open this. Um, this man could run and jump towards trees and he would impale his pointy leg into the tree trunk <laughs> and just like hang there <laughs> you know how superheroes are what the fuck i looked what the fuck <laughs> i need to tell you that i did look this up on google they they're gonna give me a word i'm gonna read it out loud to you i looked it up i couldn't find it i looked on like the cheyenne like dictionary of phrases and stuff mm-hmm. this is not a this is not a word. Not to say that this is not a word in Cheyenne language, but it is to say that this is not clearly the way they spelled it. Yes, yeah. There are a lot of things with like the transliteration into uh, like he, English pronunciation. That, yeah. And Stith Thompson did say that he took words and phrases that were important, but that weren't going to be able to be read out loud by the general reader. And he phonetically spelled them, which is a bummer mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. But I understand why he did that at the time. You should include both. He should. But he did source every single thing. Yeah. So he did say where he got it originally. So again, I'm going to give Stith Thompson basically oh, yeah. every pass on this. But yeah, for this one that I have, I could not find it. Okay. So he would say, Nawa Tatawa. No hits on Google. But mm-hmm. he would say that. And after he said that, his leg would become unstuck and he'd fall back to the ground. Still stay pointy though. Mm-hmm. But just be not... Yes. In a tree anymore. Yeah. Like an eject command. Exactly. That's the eject button. <laughs> so the story says this man would do this on hot days, and he would stick himself against trees for greater shade and coolness. But I don't think this is actually helpful or interesting at all. <laughs> I think that... So the way that I would use that is that I would go to a tree that's, like, next to a lake, and I would, like, lodge myself in the tree, and then I would eject from the tree and do a cannonball into the water. <laughs> Okay, we do have two uses for the leg. Yeah, that would be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So even though this was one of the most useless superpowers in the world, when Viho, or Viho's back, white man, he strikes again. Hey. 
a white man. A white man. No. <laughs> when Viho sees the man doing this, he's like, I must have this power. That's incredible. Viho is a jealous bitch. He is. <laughs> he is. So he begs the man to give him his to give him a pointy leg too. He's like, please, please. And it says, quote, brother, sharpen my leg. <laughs> He comes at him with his one little eye and his one big eye, and he's like, fuck me up! <laughs> Please! <laughs> so the man told him that it wasn't, like, hard to do. <laughs> he's like, just stay still and don't bitch. And so he brought, brings out an axe. <laughs> <laughs> and he sharpens Viho's leg. It turns out it's exactly like what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, my God. The pain no, 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 no. was awful. <laughs> As you can imagine. And Viho cried like a little baby, but he held still like a big, brave boy. Oh, I need like... He sharpened it like a pencil. Oh, I need like 30 seconds. <laughs> Better or worse than the swollen eyes at the top of the tree? Worse. Really? Well, then I apologize for no, saying had, it wasn't. If he had put the swollen eyes back in his head, that would be worse. <laughs> That's true. He didn't do that. Yeah. But the leg is connected to him. Yep. And they sharpen it like a pencil. That's a wild elective body modification to request. <laughs> With no anesthesia. Yeah. It's like requesting that, like, as, like, a body mod, someone, like, cut your tongue off or something like that like that just people do ask for that they split their tongue they constantly. split their tongue but they don't cut it off <laughs> that's a doesn't matter to me okay <laughs> that distinction makes no difference to me really uh after his leg was super sharp <laughs> the man told viho that he could only do this trick four times in one day <laughs> and viho oh, no. and viho's like i've learned my lesson <laughs> i know not to go against that he's like if you do it any more than that it's going to be really bad. So, like, four times, that's all you can do. And Viho, gazing at him with his two horrifying <laughs> fucked up eyes, is like, sure, I understand. I will not do it more than four times. And you can take that to the bank. <laughs> so he runs off. And he immediately jumps and impales himself on a tree. And then he laughs and says, now a tatawa. And he was released from the tree. And then he ran to another tree, and he did the same thing. And this time he was like, oh, yeah, the guy wants me to count. Like, he's counting. He's making sure that I don't use this too much. And so he says, one. No. <laughs> In case the other man is listening. No. And then he ran to another tree, and he did the same thing. And he released himself, and he called out, two. <laughs> oh, he can't count. It's not his fault. <laughs> He's like, this guy's going to have no idea that I'm cheating. <laughs> oh so the fourth time he jumps, a bunch of birds and animals have gathered around to watch him, and he, like, gladly shows off. He jumps as high as he can, and he sticks his leg in the tree up to the knee. And coyotes and wolves and all sorts of animals come up, and they're like, show us how you did this. This is amazing. We want this power for some reason. No. And he's like, this is an amazing, useful trick. There's so many ways we could use this trick. For example, if it's hot... Or if we want to cannonball into a lake. <laughs> or if we want to stab a squirrel living in a tree, perhaps. Or if you want to stalk a bird. Yeah. Or if you want to, like, be up high <laughs> and upside down. Because <laughs> gravity still works. Anyway. Or if you want to chop down a tree. 
You could just jump into it a bunch of times. Four times. Four times only. Well, you do it over the course of several days. Oh, that's true. So he lets himself down and he laughs and he tells them like, oh, I'm going to show you how it's done. Watch this. No. And he runs and he jumps higher than he's ever jumped before. And half his thigh enters the tree. And he calls out, four. And he laughs and laughs and laughs. And then he says the magic words to get released again. But nothing happens. Yeah. So he calls out again. And he's still stuck. And so he calls out again and again and again. And he starts to panic. And all day he calls. And then all night. And he sends the animals gathered around him to find the man who taught him. But they never found him. And the last line of the story is, quote, He was fast in the tree for many days until he starved to death. To death? The end. That's the end of Viho. Can you imagine being the CSI investigator who finds that body? <laughs> Leg deep in a tree. One big eye, one little eye. <laughs> one mouse eye way far back in the oh socket and God. one bulging, slimy buffalo eye. Yeah. Oh, that's so upset. Also, to me. Okay. This is like game logic, right? Yes. Okay. Wait until the next day. Uh-uh. Not Viho. No, no, no. I mean, like, the next day. Try again. You can say the thing. To me, that makes sense. Is like. I think he you know did. What I, mean? he, I think he did. He was there. Yeah, I just, like, it doesn't make sense that that wouldn't work. Unless, like, saying it more than four times, like, breaks the magic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like. I think it does. To me, I'm like, it seems like you could do that again <laughs> the next day. But that's just. That's just me. That just that's just the the game theory. Yeah, for me personally, the idea that there's like a skeleton hanging from a tree somewhere by a sharpened leg boon. Oh, and the way you would have to hang, like, does the knee bend and you're just hanging from there? Oh, your knee would be so ow. It would just have to be like locked out. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's there at the thigh, so it's the hip bone. It's the hip joint. Okay. So mm. notes from the back of the book. Because Teth Thompson's all about motifs. That's why he gathered these stories. And so he says the motif is the taboo of using magic power too often. Uh, He says the idea that you can overdo a good thing and you shouldn't be frivolous with magic. Quote, the well-known European motif of three wishes foolishly wasted appears in several native tales. And so this book actually has quite a few stories in it that are, there's a whole section called Inspired by European Tales. Mm -hmm. So like when you told us the story of Orpheus, remember that? Yes. Like, clearly a title inspired by mythology from other countries. Mm -hmm. So this, he actually does separate those out so that you could see where those motifs are being inspired by, like, settlers coming in, Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. That is very cool. Okay, so the last story I have for you. (laughs) I like it. It's my personal favorite. Really quickly, I did, I do think it's really interesting that both of those stories have, like, four wishes. Yes. I think that's a really cool, like, if it was a European fairy tale, it would be It would be three. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Four is such a random number. Um, It makes sense, though. I mean, like, the, in, again, I'm going to blend together so many native cultures in a way that is so offensive, and I'm (laughs) sorry, I am not educated, but, like, the medicine wheel is, like, four That's true, the four directions. Like, 100%. A lot of things in, like, native lore are four parts, Mm -hmm. sort of, rather than three, Yeah, I guess. 100%. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Okay. So, last one I have for you (laughs) is called... The Rolling Head. Mm. It is from the section Animal Wives and Husbands, another Cheyenne tale. Does, is the Rolling Head married to a goose? <laughs> Classic. <laughs> 
you're thinking of my fan fiction, Max. <laughs> I, would, I would caution you not to spoil things for the readers. <laughs> you would be the goose and I would be the rolling head in our relationship. You think? Mm-hmm. I do love a rolling head. And I love a goose. Yeah! Oh. <laughs> and we're in love. <laughs> and we're in love. <laughs> Once there was a little family who lived alone. A father, a mother, and two daughters. Mm-hmm. Every day, the man went out hunting, but before he did this, he would paint his wife's face so he, like, he'd, he'd paint her face <laughs> even brighter. <laughs> Today I want a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it just says he would paint his wife, and then I found, an, <laughs> I would find, I found another variation that says he only painted the face. But this story implies that he painted her face and body, like in The Mummy, you know, like, so... You know, like okay, so not like he painted a picture of her face and body, but like he painted on her face and body. Yes, with something. Yes. Okay. So it it's that theme of like a controlling man wanting to make sure that nobody's catching his his wife, his property. It's the mummy, but this story, the way that it's written, (laughs) is very disjointed and it doesn't really explain a whole lot. Do you think monogamous clowns do that? If you're married to a clown who wants to make sure that you're painted so that no man may touch you, leave that clown. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I was like, like the like taboo of like the paint and being touched. And then also for whatever fucking reason, my brain was like, you know how like clowns have their signature face paint yeah. and they're all on eggs so that nobody can like steal their face paint. Like the like registered clowns. <laughs> there are registered clowns. Oh my God. There's like the like official like, Institute of Clowning or something like that. And they have, all, like, the famous clowns who are registered as clowns yeah. have their signature face paint that is, like, reserved for them. It's kind of, like, copyrighted. It's like the, that one clown with the tear going down yes. is, like, a really famous... Yeah, so, uh, and the way that they demonstrate what those look like is they take, like, hollow eggs and they paint the face paint on the egg, I think. Okay. That's so weird. Yeah, and so it's like you can't have... A, it's kind of like um, when you hang up uh, someone's, like, basketball jersey number yeah and it's like nobody else can be this number again it's kind of like that but for clowns and for some reason i was like what if (laughs) what if you found out that your clown wife was cheating on you (laughs) every morning because you came in and she had makeup on her like smudged on her face of a different clown (laughs) (laughs) she's got the imprint of a tear on her cheek yeah (laughs) Every morning, he woke up and painted his wife like a juggalo. (laughs) Okay. So, I also, as I'm saying this, I'm like, I don't remember where I heard that, and I might have made it up. That's hilarious if you made that up. That's so specific. I don't think I made it up. I don't think you did. I think it's real, but also there might be components of it that I invented. (laughs) I think you should look it up. I bet there's an off-topic there about something about that. Oh, the history of clowning. Or even the history of that man. With a tear on his face. The one oh, it's all of them, though. They have, like, a whole hallway of, like, display cases of eggs with all the different face makeup. My grandmother as, like, had a whole hallway of paintings of clowns. <laughs> she had a whole house of paintings of clowns. Yeah. <laughs> My grandma's house was the stuff she of She liked clowns, Jesus, lovely. and baby dolls. She loved those things. <laughs> those three things specifically. But, like, she really loved them. And angels. Those four things. Well, that goes along with Jesus. Yeah. And, and baby dolls. <laughs> yes. That's a... That's marrying the two. <laughs> okay. So uh, his wife, his his beautiful painted clown wife, <laughs> she had a routine though, Max. After her husband finished his crafts <laughs> and left to go hunting, she would leave her children in their tent and she would 
the story says they lived in a tent. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's what I think. Just off of the context clues, they used to live with a group of people, kind of like in the Vavitch. But they intentionally, he moved his family to live alone in a tent by themselves. Red flag. And he also... Painted his wife. Painted his wife. Red flag. To make sure that nobody was touching her. Red so, flag. So, like, this is the environment she's living in. That's it doesn't... three strikes. It is. You are out. You are fucking guy. out. <laughs> Okay, but this is the story. Again, it doesn't go into this, but these are the the facts that they give us. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying for her. Okay, so um, she would leave her children in the tent though, and she'd walk out to a nearby lake every single morning after he left, and she would always go to the same spot where she would remove all of her clothes as if she was going to bathe in the water, and soon a large snake would rise out of the water, look around, and say, "He gone? <laughs> Your husband hunting?" <laughs> And she'd say, he sure is. And he'd be like, well, then get in, girl. Splash around. And she'd be like, all right. And then she'd go in the water and fuck a snake. (laughs) So it turns out he didn't have, like, uh, he wasn't, like, 100% wrong about suspecting somebody was touching his wife. That was, you could have given me a year. (laughs) guess what was going on there (laughs) i would not have gotten to fucking a river snake (laughs) so things were okay for a while the husband would come home with meat and the family would eat together and he'd be like where'd all your paint go and she'd be like i took a bath i bathed jerry god (laughs) however this wasn't great for him because he was painting her for a reason and every day she's just fucking bathing it off like no so one day he decides to follow her what Rather than say, hey, go take a bath and then I'll paint you. (laughs) Problem solving skills non-existent. (laughs) No. Uh, He was like, I'm going to go hunting. So goodbye. And he leaves. But instead of going hunting, he dug a hiding spot near the lake to see what she did while he was away. And he watched his wife walk to the shore, call to the snake. And she said, come, I am waiting. And then he saw a giant, super hot snake (laughs) rise from the water and ask, is your husband gone? And she's like, he sure is. And he's like, well, then come on in, girl, splash around. (laughs) He's got like a 60 pack because snakes are basically just abs. Because he's eaten so many eggs. No, No, a snake's whole body, like all of their muscles are abs. No, he's eaten 60 eggs. And his stomach stomach is exactly two eggs wide. (laughs) And so she removed her clothes and she stepped into the lake and soon, quote, the snake was around her. The man watched them for a while, seething. And finally, he left his hiding place with a knife in his hands. He jumped on the snake and he killed it. And then he caught his wife and he killed her too. No. Yeah. He cut her up into little pieces. I'm not laughing. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> then he dismembered her corpse. Aw. <laughs> uh, all except her head, which he kind of like, I don't know, flung behind him. Uh, and then he brought... Oh, title of story. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so he cut her up into little pieces, all except her head, and then he brought the meat home. In a rage, still, he cooked her and gave it to his children for dinner. Why? After they had eaten, he told his kids... Quote, tell your mother when she comes home that I went to get more meat, which I left hanging on a tree so that the wolves cannot reach it. End quote. And then he left. And I think he actually left them. I think that he, like, this was him abandoning his kids, I think. 
So his daughters agreed, and they watched him leave. And after a long time, when the mother had not come home yet, the youngest daughter said, I ever must, she said, quote, our mother must be teasing us to not come home yet. And the older daughter started to feel really uneasy. Like she'd been sitting there like, I don't, that's weird. That's weird that he came back. It's weird that he cooked and fed us. Like he never does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she said, don't say anything against our mom, basically. Like she thinks something bad happened. Yeah. And suddenly they heard a noise outside. And without warning, their mother's head came rolling into their tent saying, I'm very sorry that my children have eaten (laughs) me up. (laughs) (laughs) that's so so fucking passive aggressive i am so sorry that my kids ate me (laughs) yeah what the fuck the the bloodless decapitated head of their mom my god who has long black hair wow well i can tell you really missed me nobody went looking for me that's great i guess you were busy right (laughs) i hope you're full And so the girls screamed in terror, and they ran sure. out of the tent, but the head pursued them, rolling fast along the ground after them and screaming, I'm so sorry that my children have eaten me up, as it rolls after them. <laughs> oh, no. They couldn't run forever, Max. So when they were far enough ahead, the oldest daughter quickly turned. <laughs> <laughs> the oldest daughter quickly turned and drew a line on the ground of the stick, and a deep chasm formed so that the head couldn't cross. She drew a, li- a line in the ground with a stick, and then she said, cross this line and you're getting the stick. And then <laughs> she lined up with a batter's pose. I mean, good for her. So the head, from what I can tell, the head couldn't cross the chasm, and so it stayed there just, like, watching them. Like, the decapitated, bloodless head of their mother just stayed there, like, watching them on the other side of this chasm. So eventually, okay, this is where the story loses uh, its storytelling arc kind of like it feels like they just stopped connecting dots mm, so i'm gonna like the kinda, structural integrity yeah, of the story yeah it starts to kind of get really weird but eventually the younger sister grows hungry and she sees a deer walking by so she pointed at it and she was like look at that deer and then it fell down dead as if it had been shot like she had magic These kids powers. are having a traumatizing day <laughs> yes so the two girls ate the deer i, I guess raw And then, quote, then someone was kind to them and helped them, and they lived in a large lodge that had much food of various kinds to eat. It's not well written at this point, genuinely. What the fuck? So something happens. Something magical happens to them, and they suddenly find themselves in a large lodge, and they have all the, like, the never-ending supply of food that they want. At all times, two large panthers and two large black bears guard them against all wild animals and other people, and they're safe in this lodge. Nearby to where they had taken shelter, a camp of people were starving. They couldn't find food. There was nothing. They were going out hunting every day. There was just no animals. It was They were all just dying at the lodge, these two little girls were at. So they heard about the two girls with their abundance of food, and so they decided to move where they were. The two girls invited them in to eat with them, and among that camp was their father. He had gone to that camp. And so after everyone else left, he stayed with them. But the girls became suspicious of him and soon determined that he had been the reason their mother's decapitated head had haunted them. Sure. Quote, so they caused the lions to jump upon their father and he was killed. The end. It's a lot of... Mm. It falls off at the end. <clears throat> also a lot of passive voice. It's a lot of like, you know, the like news articles where yes. it's like, teens were shot in an altercation with police. Yeah. <laughs> it's like police officers shot teens is what the... A hundred percent. That's a lot of like, the children 
caused the lions to <laughs> have a meal in which he was eaten. <laughs> yes. Like, a lot of displaced responsibility there. This does feel very indicative of the time period that is being written, though. Like, the 1800s, that's just kind of how they talked, I think, or how they wrote, you know? Yeah. But there's a better variant. So here's the note. In my opinion, there is a better variant not found in this book. So it's synopsized by Tommy Orange. He has a book, <laughs> I know, he has a book called There There, which is a multi-voiced novel that features 12 Native American characters of different backgrounds and generations, all traveling to the big Oakland powwow. Um, seems like a really cool book, genuinely. They talk about, like, historical trauma and, like, just, like, folk tales and personal history of Native Americans from different generations. Mm-hmm. So this variant says that it was a sister and a little brother and the little brother was still nursing. So when they ate their mother, the boy said, my mother tastes just like this. Which actually is a common theme I found amongst certain Native American tales of like, oh, yeah. I of eating your, your family, of being like, no, this tastes like my mom. But they explain it like the little boy is little. Yeah. So when they were attacked by the head, the following happens. The sister remembered where they played, how thick the thorns were. And so she brought the thorns to life behind them with her words. She has magic. Mm-hmm. But the head broke through and kept coming. Then she remembered where rocks used to be piled in a difficult way. The rocks appeared when she spoke of them, but didn't stop the head. So she drew a hard line in the ground, which made a deep chasm the head couldn't cross. But after a long, heavy rain, the chasm filled with water, and the head crossed the water. And when it reached the other side, it turned around and drank all that water up. The rolling head became confused and drunk. It wanted more, more of anything, more of everything, and it just kept rolling Ooh, that's terrifying yeah that's way scarier a hundred percent right i like that yeah there's a theme in a lot of that specifically from like uh never whistle at night mm-hmm. there are a couple of like sort of horror classic themes that i noticed and one of them is the theme of hunger as like yeah a force of evil in a lot of ways. Like, when you think about, like, the Chinu or, like, any of that kind of thing, it's, it's like, the idea of the embodiment of hunger as, Being like, the worst thing a person can be. Yeah. Well, this also makes sense. That particular reading makes a lot of sense of a woman who is murdered for having an affair, too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, like, a sexual component to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, there's a lot that ties into it. And also a woman who is not fulfilled at home. Yeah. You know, I I really liked that reading of it a lot more. But I wanted to tell the one that I got from this book. Yeah. Um. So, really quickly, Stith Thompson is an American folklorist. He was born in 1885. He died in 1976. I didn't realize he was American. I, I This whole time I was putting him up there with Arns and Uther. <laughs> <laughs> He created the Motif Index of Folk Literature, which helped narrow down themes or motifs in stories, connecting stories across cultures and making it easier to, like, categorize them. And he is the T in ATU. This book is collected from many different sources, including government reports, folklore journals, and publications. Stith Thompson, like the Flame Tree books, did his best not to change the language of the tales at all. So that's the reason why it's it's not well-written. It's not a reflection on Stith Thompson. That's actually a reflection on the fact that he didn't change yeah. the way that people told the stories in the original sources. He didn't, like, try to, like, make them better because his interest is in the motifs, not in fixing anything. Yeah. Uh, the book has many, many comparative notes. So I will say Stith Thompson, he's among my 
my folklorist who I would trust with my life. Yeah. Um, because he gives so many references and sources. And he also writes a note in the back. And he says basically, hey, I did this. I'm a human being. Also, there are so many Native American and Canadian tribes, like First um, yeah. First Nations tribes. He's like, there's so many. There's no way I could possibly get every story from every person. And also, we didn't, we've not done a good job of documenting all those stories, and we're not giving a voice to Native people. And so what I have here is everything that I did my best to do. But also, keep in mind, sometimes I went and actually did interview people about these, and I made notes on what would make the best, like, source note. And then later on, I listened back to the interviews, and I was like, oh, fuck, I should have asked more questions about that. So that didn't get in. And yeah, and I am a little bit crazy about it, because I... That sucks now that I know that I should have asked more questions about this. So just know human beings doing this. I did my best. And there's like hundreds of pages of source notes that he put in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of folklorism is just about like sort of acknowledging the faults in uh-huh. what you do and saying like, this is not a comprehensive study. But of this so sort of story. few this people is, yeah. actually do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, I mean, yeah, a huge part of folklorism is just saying, like, this is what I did, this is what I didn't do or couldn't do, and mm-hmm. these are the reasons why. And, like, just to the best of your ability, it's kind of, it's almost like a scientific process of, like, yeah. you know, this is why I did what I did, this is why I didn't do this, this is how this happened, and how that affected the result, kind of. Yeah, um, 100%. He's obviously very interested in motifs. Uh, in the notes, he gives all of the other known tribes that he knows about that have tales that deal with the same motifs. So, like, in this one, when Viho is, like, overdoing his wishes, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, here's, like, a hundred other tribes that have similar stories. And he just lists all the stuff that you could find similar stories in. Yeah. It's cool. I've never seen it before done this extensively. He also mentions that native tales are extremely vast and that if something isn't mentioned in this one book, it doesn't mean that they don't exist amongst other tribes. So he's like, I'm not the end all be all. I'm not Native yeah. American. This is just what I did. I This is possibly the most responsible tell- storytelling I've ever come across. Yeah. Which, good for you, Stith Thompson. I like it. I take back what I said about you being named <clears throat> Stick originally. <laughs> I think Stith is a lovely name. <laughs> Tommy Orange goes into the the rolling head a little bit more. I didn't write this in my notes because, but he talks about what he thinks culturally like now is the significance of keeping this particular story alive. And he talks about how specifically the image of a Native American head has just prevailed in popular culture. You know, he's like mascots, um, mm. like the the Indian head, you know, like the red with the the headdress, all that stuff. He also talks about just even like Native Americans as depicted in popular culture, like John Wayne killing them or Clint Eastwood saving them or them saving fucking one flew over the cuckoo's nest, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And he talks about like Iron Eyes Cody, who if you guys don't know Iron Eyes Cody, you do know the image if you're from the United States or Canada, you know the image of the Native American looking out amongst a field of trash and crying one single tear. Um, you know, that the old commercial... It's like the, so. the it's the we we always called it the crying Indian where it's like he's sitting there and he's looking out amongst trash and there's one single tear and it's like clean up don't litter, um that's that one of the most famous depictions of a Native American person, not Native American he's Italian his name is oh, Iron no! his name is Iron Eyes Cody and he's actually played a lot of Native Americans in movies like John Wayne movies and stuff like that like he's a very famous 
person who portrays a Native American, but he's Italian. And so they talk about just, like, the important... And then also he talks about Mel Gibson's uh, movie Apocalypto, which, if you've ever seen that, I fucking love that movie. I love the actor in that movie. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is very good. But it shows... I think it's Mayan. It's in uh, Mexico. Like, it's basically... It shows a society before the Spanish came and conquered, and it shows Mayan rituals of human sacrifice and they're rolling heads down the long stairs of the temple and people have made that into a thing of like yeah that's what they did isn't that crazy and that's become like synonymous with like mayan culture and stuff like that like the ziggurat and it's not true that never happened they never fucking did that they never rolled heads down the thing you know like i don't i don't know about human sacrifice but like it's that's just categorically that was made up by mel gibson and so he's talking about the importance of the human of like the native american head that is Mm -hmm. rolled through and then you see this this story that was written by cheyenne people and it's specifically about a rolling head but it's about a woman who was murdered going like trying to get to her children basically yeah and there's like a yeah and it's like the insatiable nature of human sexuality and all this i don't know it's just like a lot more nuanced Mm-hmm. It's also a scary story. Yeah. These stories were meant to teach lessons, you know? So if you look at these, you're like, what lesson are we learning from the guy who has, like, swolled up eyeballs <laughs> on top of a tree and <laughs> shit? I don't know. I just think it's a cool thing. Go look at Tommy Orange's book. I linked it in the um, – I, li- I linked it in the show notes. But pretty cool. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. So that's some Cheyenne it. tales of body horror. And I have a whole new respect for the Cheyenne people because I've never read such – fucked up stories that's a hot dog Mm -hmm. that is willikers (laughs) gee willikers (laughs) cool those were great and terrifying thank you pretty fun thank you uh okay well max i think we done did it (laughs) i think we did it done we did it done done that he do uh have a great week guys (laughs) we're happy to be here (laughs) we love you also, mark your calendars. If you haven't joined our Discord, you can join that at the $3 level on Patreon. And once you do that, you can be part of our movie night, which we will be holding on Leap Day. Yes, we don't have consistent movie nights at this point, mm-hmm. but we do have one of my favorite movies, which is awful and perfect. Max is... Loves is so unironically. Oh my she God. says awful, but she's only saying that for my sake. <laughs> no, I like it. <sighs> It's so good. Is leap year? Yes. Um, and we. This is currently a leap year, twenty twenty four. It's a romantic comedy with a hot Irish guy oh, and um. What God. Is, what's her name? Amy Adams. Amy Adams, hot Irish guy, Amy, who's mean and grumpy, and Amy Adams, who's uh, stuck up and too uppity for her own good, and she's a rich American. And they fall in love. It's an enemies to lovers story. Oh, in the Irish countryside. And it's set on Leap Day. In a tiny, stupid car. <laughs> <laughs> so, and eventually they go to a hotel or an inn that only has one no bed. Stop it! <laughs> and they have to be can't tell them that. It's a secret. Okay. Um, so we're going to watch that. We're going to watch that on Leap Day. <laughs> and this kick year, which will our be, little feet. <laughs> yeah, which will be February 29th. So if you're on the Discord, we will get that set up so that we will all be able to watch that kind of together and have a live chat as we do so. Um, and that will be very fun. And I'm very <laughs> excited for it because it's truly 
one of my favorite movies of all time. I would yeah. never recommend it to anyone, but it is one of my favorite we movies of all time. We do watch it at least once a year. Yeah, usually like It twice. is extremely fun. Yeah. So if you want to hang out with us and watch Leap Year with us and kick your little feet along with the community, <laughs> uh, do it. It's a really fun time every time we get together and watch movies. Um, so yeah, that's a reason to uh, check us out on Patreon. Get on that Discord. Hey, do it. And join us on Instagram and TikTok and all of our social medias. Email us at sortofthestory at gmail.com. Summer has brought a squeaky toy in here to convince us that it's time for us to go. So (laughs) I guess I will end it now. Max, anything else you want to say? And I mean it. (laughs) Squeak, squeak to you. And a squeak, squeak to you as well. Okay, bye. My car is dying, Max. I know. And because my car is dying, I couldn't get $700 round trip tickets to Greece. That's called being an adult. Fucking doing it. It's a fucking scam. Yes. I hate it. I also hate it. <laughs> Very mad. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the whole story of there. Mm-hmm. I hope your car doesn't die. <sighs> Even if it doesn't die, I have to get a new car. Mm-hmm. I, I get made fun of for how bad my car is by people that we went to college with. You got made fun of by one person. <laughs> yeah, but that one person really knows what he's talking about because his car was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to make fun of me if, like, you've only ever had, like, okay cars or, like, you were, like... You know, like, you're not allowed to do that, except if you were like me and you actually did buy your first car on your own and then you let it slowly get more and more decrepit until now everyone's like, hi, the ceiling's falling off of it. And it's making a weird noise every time you start it. And it has been for the last (laughs) 10 years. And you're 32. (laughs) And you have a job. Unless you've been in that exact situation. I don't want to fucking hear it. <laughs> My car is fine. <laughs> Except I do think I'm going to have to replace her. Mm. I got an adult car a couple of years ago that I'm very excited. It's like a like a mid-size SUV. It's nice. It's got a lot of really nice features. It's like newish model. It's not brand new. I mean, God forbid. It's like a couple <laughs> of years old. But it's like, you know. Yeah. It's like a pretty, like high quality it's like the higher end model of like this specific car uh from a couple of years ago so i got it for like pretty cheap which was great Mm -hmm. um and like my parents helped me out with paying for it also um obviously because i don't have eighteen thousand (laughs) dollars what (laughs) yeah and it's it's a really great good car and Mm -hmm. i like specifically was like this is a car that has longevity i like at the time i was like this can fit my partner and all of our pets in it in case there's an emergency like i can be the person who helps people move and i don't mind doing that sometimes and like the whole thing yeah i was like i this is gonna be like a very good responsible adult car for me to have Mm -hmm. and then immediately as soon as i brought it home the finish on one entire side of the car went fucky (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so, like, the whole half of the car looks like – it's, like, matte, kind of. Yeah. Um, it just looks like it's, like, slowly dissolving. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, immediately. And so – I and I also have a bunch of fucking leftist bumper stickers because, of course, I do. Oh, it's so good. So I took this beautiful adult car, and it is so quickly becoming a shitty car. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to have to figure out how to get my car painted. Ugh. <laughs> I drove a Chevy Equinox because my mom wouldn't let me drive my car up to Virginia. She had to, like, tr- every year she has to, like, bully me into renting a car. She's <laughs> like, you're not, do- I'm sorry, you can't drive your car. And I was like, I think she'll make it. I just, I just took her in and they said, actually, it's not the transmission. So it's fine. And she's like, that's not a good, 
no, rent a car. <laughs> and every year she's like, just like get an SUV, like do things. So I had a Chevy Equinox this year. and <laughs> That's why. It was so good. I was wondering why the specificity of the Chevy Equinox. It's because I want a Chevy Equinox now because it, it didn't like annoy me like mm-hmm. other rental cars have. And now I'm in my little car and every time I have to back up, I'm like, how do I not run over a child every time I back up? Oh my God, up? the backup camera is a game changer. <laughs> how, do I, how have I never just run over a million children? I also have the like, um, like the, the distance thing. Yeah. sensors um, and I can parallel park now, which is something I've never been able to do before. <laughs> if I get rid of my car, if I genuinely, which I have to do. But I think that's the last bastion of, like, my youth <laughs> is is getting a car. But genuinely, I'm still driving the car that I drove when I was, like, new. <laughs> you know? Janie, earlier this week, you wore an outfit that you yourself described as heart-themed. I'm pretty sure that you still have some modicum of childhood I remaining. I don't. I don't. The heart-themed outfit, everything about everything I do is it wasn't now... For a, it wasn't for Valentine's Day or anything. You're like, just like, today is a heart-themed day. And so That's you wore a, sh- a dress with hearts on it and big old heart earrings. Guess who paid for that stuff? heart hairpins. Janie did. I felt there was a moment where I was like, God, like when I um, switched to my own cell phone like plan where I was like, I'm no longer going to be on my parents' plan. That was a big one. Not being on my parents' health insurance. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. Having like a legitimate career makes me want to fucking throw up. And I genuinely hate my career, but I have it now. It's mm-hmm. mine. Yeah. I was going to say buy a house, but honestly, we don't do that anymore as a culture. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just the car. Once I'm not in this shitty car, Max, the CarMax. Once I'm not in the shitty car, then I'm um an adult. I'm boring. I think that's in a positive way, though. I don't know. You get to have all the fun parts of being a child, like wearing a heart-themed outfit because it's a Wednesday. Ugh, <laughs> it was a Wednesday. It was nice. Okay, well that's too long of a test. This is a this is a sad test, guys. What's your car look like? Is it worse than mine? Just send us pictures. <laughs> 